Welcome to, welcome back to Power Surge with the Center for Industrial Progress. I'm Alex Epstein, still in Las Vegas for the last day, thankfully. Uh, and I'm joined by Stefan Henn, as always, coming from Germany. Stefan, welcome. Hello from Germany. Oh man, I had a fun day with something that's the equivalent of norovirus on Monday, and yesterday I was recovering. Um, I've also been, I haven't really been because I was sick, but I maybe joined the, the tail end of the Heartland Institute uh, Con International Conference on Climate Change, which will be one of the stories today. Uh, but let's start out by talking about oil. Um, there's a story about U.S. oil exports to Europe. Stefan, what's going on? Yeah, there has been some uh, trade negotiating going on between the European Union and uh, the United States um, called the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership. And um, the Washington Post has obtained some secret document, or maybe it was leaked, um, that indicates that the Euro European Union is asking the United States to um, commit to exports of crude oil, which are currently banned. Um, to Europe because they fear, um, you know, being threatened by uh, Russia, which is a major oil and gas supplier for the European, European Union, uh, particularly the Eastern European countries. And yeah, so they want to profit from this uh, shale oil and gas boom in the United States. And um, without you know, creating a boom of their own. Um, and that relates to other new stories. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. I mean, let's just separate two things because it, it is, I mean, it's legitimate for them to be willing to buy oil and it's illegitimate yeah. for us to be prevented uh, from from selling oil. So, I mean, I agree that there's, there's a lot of hypocrisy there, but that aspect in and of itself is, is our fault. Right. And by our, I mean mine versus yours. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I keep going? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, there's hypocrisy in the European Union and there's, you know, bad laws in the United States. And it's, it's a bad combination, but it, it also, you know, it's interesting to see that the European Union agrees that only a free and open market, um, you know, gives you energy security. There's no such thing as, uh, you know, converse, uh, conservation policies that keep you secure. Okay, so what's happening in European Union? Um, yeah, there are related stories to that. Um, Germany has uh, just a couple of days ago banned fracking until the year 2021. And... Um, the reason they state is that this is an unproven and untested technology and potentially dangerous for the water supply and so on, and despite the proven track record in the United States. And even in Germany itself, um, I think it was like the 1960s or 70s uh, where conventional wells uh, used fracking without anyone noticing. Um, and this is a moratorium until the year 2021 20, where this will be will come up again and uh, some exploration drilling and so on will be allowed but 
this will prevent a shale boom that might be possible in Central Europe. Um, and another news story related to that is uh, Greenpeace activists have blocked exploration wells in the country of Romania, which all of you might know is a very poor Eastern European country. Um, and Chevron is um, exploring uh, natural gas there and uh, up to over 50 trillion cubic feet of shale gas might be in uh, Romania. Uh, which is over a hundred of a uh, hundred years of supply for the country, and uh, Chevron actually said uh, they do do not plan to use uh, tracking technology currently. So this is a this is a protest staged against something that isn't actually on the table, just to raise awareness of you know exploration of shale gas in general. I think. Yeah, so it's just, I mean, the whole thing is, is just so anti-technology. You think about there's a new technology or at least an evolution of technology in, you know, in the realm of energy. And the first impulse of all of these groups is to say no. And it's, it's ultimately because they have this religious idea that it's wrong to impact our environment. So it's, oh, wow, this is impacting it in a new way. And they'll even say, oh, this causes small earthquakes. Well, what does that mean? Because the earth is in a constant state of quaking from a certain perspective. So the question is, it's like climate. Does it, is it a danger? Not does it change things? Every time we act, we change things. Uh, so this whole idea of non-impact as the ideal is an anti-technology ideal. Technologies are, are new ways of impacting nature, new ways of impacting our environment. Um, and it's, it's the wrong ideal. And so what they're trying to do is, is, is have that as an ideal and still live. And you know, so they, they want to depend, uh, substantially they want to depend on the U.S., but they also want to be uh, progressive. So the U.S. should should have international trade, but unfortunately, if, if these policies continue, the prices are going to go higher and higher. All right, so let's talk about the Heartland Institute's International Conference on Climate Change, where I am right now, or at least I'm in a hotel room uh, near it. I'll probably go down and visit this morning. I visited briefly yesterday afternoon. I'm the one wearing the I Love Fossil Fuels t-shirt, by the way. Anyway, um, I've been thinking a lot about this while I've been sick, and I, I'm really impressed by this conference because, if, and this this goes to a power hour I recently recorded with Mark Morano that uh, we'll publish this week. Uh, Mark Morano is of CFACT and Climate Depot and is one of the more, uh, let's say, active people in the media on this issue. And he was talking about how when Gore's movie came out, there was very, very little in the way of uh, resistance, and there's just this state of depression. But what, what actually existed was there's a lot of scientists around the world who knew that this hysteria, uh, that this idea that uh, global warming is this major threat that requires massively restricting energy production, they knew that that was uh, the very least exaggerated. Um, just was just bad thinking and was misrepresenting things like greenhouse effect. I mean, things that almost anyone with any kind of scientific education knows, but that 
you know, they're taking some legitimate research and some illegitimate research, but using it out of context to act as if there's this, this really big threat and it's proven instead of there's no demonstrably big threat and there's some speculation from some people's climate models which have come to uh, you know, dominate the field of uh, um, climate science in part because that, those are the, that's the school of thought that's been most uh, funded. So there's been this quasi-monopoly that's treated, that then is treated as, oh, all scientists agree. So there are certain scientists who wanted to stand up who couldn't do that much. And what Heartland did is it created this conference where it brought them together. And it empowered them and it allowed them to bring many, many facts to the public's attention that the public did not know. And unfortunately, so I think it's it's a great thing. And if you go, the, the a lot of the people there are very bright. You know, they come from all sorts of disciplines. Some of them come from climate science as such, or some of them come from uh, crucial related fields, you know, whether they're physicists, meteorologists, they all have knowledge that even economists who know a lot about adaptation, all of these are, are very relevant to understanding the issue of fossil fuel policies and how to think about the climate aspect uh, of it. And so there's this new story that I think epitomizes what's wrong with the way that we're taught to think about the issue, which is by Media Matters for America, which is this quasi-media uh, watchdog thing which just, you know, attacks conservatives. Um, it's called Climate Denial Goes Vegas. The Heartland Institute hits the strip with some much-needed com comedic relief, and it's just this whole typical uh, sarcastic thing about, well, you, I mean, you can read it on MediaMatters.org, but it's just... Uh, it's just all, I mean, tongue-in-cheek would be a, a, a charitable way to put it. Um, but it, it's all from the perspective of we know, our tribe knows that the other tribe are idiots. So we're just going to talk really sarcastically and we're not going to refute any of their arguments. And the most substance there is, is that they go, um, you know, they, they go into, they have these biographical sections of people. Um, where they purport to tell their biography, and the the punchline is usually they have the section called climate expertise, and with most of the people they put uh, none. Now, if you know any of the given people, you'll see that usually the biographies are misrepresented. So, for instance, Patrick Michaels, um, who was a you know who's a, a climate scientist by training. Let's see where does he come up? Climate expertise. Um, They acknowledge that he's published peer-reviewed climate pieces in climate uh, peer-reviewed climate journals, and then they quote something that says some of Michael's papers were published in the journal Climate Research around the time that climate skeptic Chris DeFridis was serving as one of the journal's editors. Half of the journal's editors required over resigned over poor quality control in mid two thousand three. So, I mean, no, what the heck is that? We have no idea what on there, how many of his papers are there. Is that really true? What is poor quality control? Does that mean disagreeing with the politically popular or governmentally popular position? We don't know. I mean, this, there's all kinds of stuff. If you look up Michael's uh, biography in terms of, I believe, being Virginia State climatologist, you know, major member of the faculty at UVA for a long time. So, um, and, you know, just known as a super smart guy in the field. So one thing is they're misrepresenting the climate people. But the other thing is with a lot of people, they say, oh, they have no, no climate expertise. And they're talking about someone like uh, a physicist or a meteorologist. But 
this is this is just completely the wrong way uh, of of thinking about it. It's what what does it mean to have climate expertise? Usually, the people who have quote climate expertise in their view are people who are creating models of climate, who are who are speculating on the future of climate, and that is arguably the least scientific uh, field that there is today because it is a complete failure, as in nobody knows how to do it because it's a too complex task. So it's like saying, well, you know, if we're talking about um, engineering, you know, aerospace engineering, the only people who are aerospace engineers are people who are trying, as Eric Dennis once put it, you know, to build a spaceship to Alpha Centauri. And look, there are these people who have devoted, who are, that's their job, that's their professorship. So let's only listen to them, but they don't know how to do it. So it's, it's, it's a fantasy, whereas the, the physics people can say, look, what you're saying has not been scientifically justified. It doesn't follow the scientific method, as can the meteorologist and as can the economist saying, you're not factoring in adaptation, that we are really good at ad adapting to climate changes, whatever the source. So this is all just an attempt to monopolize the field and to attack, um, to attack real thinking. And what's most conspicuous is the thing has no goddamn arguments. There are no arguments against these people's arguments, and if you watch their stuff, they make really interesting arguments. So what this article wants to do, um, I don't know what this guy's background is, Alexander Zaitschik, I doubt he's some sort of luminary even in the monopoly field of, yeah, he's just a journalist. So why are we listening to him? He's written in The Nation, Salon. Okay, so he's, um, he's affiliated with Socialist. That's, that's all we know, and Rolling Stone. Um, Mother Jones. Okay, so the guy is just a garden variety socialist journalist, and yet he is attacking all of these uh, scientists, and he doesn't have any, he can't argue against what they say. The only redeeming value of this is that they have some really good arguments in quoting them, which this journal, which this, you know, socialist journalist treats as absurd. But if you actually read the articles, uh, the arguments, they have some, some pretty good arguments, but he doesn't want to respond to them, nor does the climate monopoly want to respond to arguments because that is their establishment and because their arguments don't hold up. Uh, Stefan, any final thoughts? I just want to read one short quote uh, that I found very fascinating from this article. Quote, on the strip, Heartland speakers will pretend to be qualified to descend from the equivalent to the National Academy of Sciences of every industrial country. Against the faint ring of slot machines, they dismiss the stark warnings of experts from 130 countries who contribute to the authoritative assessments of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So this is, you know, we are on the side of the authorities and uh, all these issue, issues are complicated in themselves. I mean, there have been people leaving uh, academic associations over that, even Nobel laureates. You know, making statements like uh, man-made climate change is irreversible and so on. And this is this is a complete joke. No explanation given, just, you know, there's some authority and um, we'll just tell you what they say and you have to obey. No thought of your own loud. And that's... Yeah. Every layman can see how illegitimate this is. Yeah, be qualified, pretend to be qualified to dissent. Yeah. So um, if, if you're a free person, you are qualified to dissent at any moment, right? Yeah, and and uh, I mean, and to ask questions and to question, even if these guys were authoritative on climate scientists, to question how the, their 
their policy, given how anti-fossil fuel uh, they are. So, you know, I think the, the Heartland Institute's doing a great job, uh, so thanks to them, and um, yeah, no thanks to the people who are anti-thought. Um, and with that, that, that's it for the day. Uh, we should be back tomorrow. Hopefully I'll be, um, continue to stay, uh, healthy. It's f fortunately, you know, Vegas is not running on, uh, solar and wind. Otherwise it would have been really, really uncomfortable the past couple of days, as would everyone else, I guess. Um, yeah. And so we'll talk to you tomorrow. Stefan? Yes. Bye. Until next time. All right. Bye, everyone.